Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Amen. I want to start off tonight by just simply giving honor to God, thanking him for yet another week to be here, yet another week to share the word with you guys, and, you know, just another opportunity to learn something for myself as well. Uh, The past couple of Bible studies we've had, they've been a little different in terms of format. Um, Last week, you know, we had like two scriptures that we were mainly focused on and then we did a timeline as we walked through the word and throughout this process God has been really showing me how to work with things in a more intricate way and again it's not me it's it's all him and I just thank him for that and so with that being said as we talk about intricacies and inside out and different things of that nature we're, we're looking at this concept of love in a different angle this week. Our lesson is uh, entitled More Than Anything. And before we really start talking about what that means, uh, there's a definition I want to share with you guys, and it's called filio. And we may have discussed this before, but it's very important for our topic this week. So if you look on screen... <coughs> Filio means to love, and the usages I love of friendship, regard with affection, cherish, I kiss. And when we look down there, uh, philos, which is affectionate friendship, and then our actual word filio, it means to properly, to show warm affection and intimate friendship, characterized by tender, heartfelt consideration and kinship. Now in I can't even count how many Bible studies we've had. We've talked about God's love for us, God showing his love in different examples, God expressing his love with promises by taking things out of our lives, by putting things into our lives. We always talk about God's love to us. But this week, we're going to focus on what his love looks like inside of us going back to him. That's very important because as he was downloading this message into me the other night, it started to to have a few of my cross strings get uncrossed, you know, that that breaking process began to happen. And it's just like, wow, okay, I see what you mean. And as I was discussing this earlier with my grandmother, A lot of points just kind of hit home and you know how it goes. So we'll go ahead and get started. And we're going to start in Colossians chapter three, verses one through 11. And then we're going to skip down to verses 23 through 25. So the Bible says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. 
For you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice, behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. And then skipping down to verse 23, it says, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about what more than anything is all about. We know that the Lord, our God, loves us more than words can truly express. And he showed it by laying his life down on the cross for us at Calvary. In doing so, he fulfilled his own words, saying that there is no greater love that a man hath for another than to lay his life down for a friend. And he proceeds to call us friends because the shackles of slavery that used to have us held in bondage were being broken and were already broken because of what Jesus was doing. Throughout his ministry, he did countless things that at the end of the book of John, it says that if all the things that he said and did were written down, then the world couldn't contain its volumes. But what we were given and what we are shown through the spirit, what we are shown in current events and history's past, and as life keeps on moving, we see that our God does not stop moving. He does not stop doing. He does not stop blessing. He does not stop healing. He doesn't stop saving. God just doesn't stop. And because he doesn't stop, because he's ever moving, we need to be continuously following him. God doesn't sit in a place and stay there forever. He may have us stop for a moment to catch our breath. He may have us uh, in a certain season where we need to be patient. But at the end of the day, God is always moving, just like the pillar of smoke that the children of Israel were following throughout the wilderness. By by that, they knew that God was moving and wherever he was, they needed to be. Well, now we have it on a more intimate level. Wherever the spirit of the Lord, which is his Holy Spirit, which is inside of every single believer, wherever it unctions you to go, and you'll know when you need to move because he won't leave you alone until you actually take those steps forward. Is that where I'm going, I want you to be there too, because just like I promised, wherever I go, 
you too shall be there. And that that's our promise for, for heaven. That's our promise for right now. That's our promise, period. Wherever God is, we're going to be there with him. So when we talk about more than anything, it's the simple question of how much do you love him? Not how much he loves you, because we know the answer to that. But how much do you love God? Do you love him enough to set yourself down and pick him up? Do you love God enough to stop hurting yourself, to stop beating yourself up, to stop torturing yourself? Do you love him enough to put the alcohol down? Do you love him enough to stop smoking yourself into a a train of thought that doesn't even make sense? Do you love him enough to stop sleeping around? Do you love him enough to stop idolizing people? your job, places, ideas, money? Do you love him enough to actually trust him with the pain that's inside of your heart that you don't need to hold on to? Do you love him enough that when you don't know where the money's coming from for this month's bills, that he will make a way out of no way, just like he did every single time before? Do you love God enough to simply say, Father, I trust you? When we look in Colossians, the way it opens up, it says, since we have been raised to new life in Christ, meaning that we didn't have a life outside of Christ. And then it goes on to say that we need to set our sights on the realities of heaven, not the things of this world. Well, when we set our sights on the realities of heaven, what that says is, is that I'm not worried about what this world tells me I can or cannot do. I'm not worried about what's going on in the current climate. Yes, things are bad. And I'm not saying that we should turn a deaf ear or a blind eye. What I'm saying is, is that the fear that creeps up inside of us when we don't have answers, when we don't know what to expect, that shouldn't be there because we know the end. Jesus won. Jesus has overcome. Jesus is still blessing. He's still saving souls. He's still renewing people's minds because of the word, the gospel itself being taught, being being preached, having it made plain for people on their level. When we talk about this more than anything, we're talking about our love for God, why we love him, and most importantly, and there are a lot of naysayers out there, how his love translates back to us and self-love, self-worth, and self-esteem. See, there's a thing in this world that wants you to believe that you're good enough on your own, that you can provide on your own, that you can do all these things of your own merit. But I ask you, take a, take a step back, look at your surroundings, look at what you have, look at, look at everything that, that you, that's in your possession. Is it really yours, so to say? The Bible says, and we talked about this at some point, I want to say last week, that, you know, we came here with nothing and we're going to leave with nothing. But what we can come here and acquire is a relationship with God. And that relationship with him, the love, the fruit that comes from that nurturing relationship, we leave with that. And by leaving with that, we go to him 
because now we're returning to the source. When we talk about our source, when we talk about all these wonderful things in accordance with our scripture, we realize that our real life now, that God has promised us will be revealed to everybody. And that not only that, but that our real life is wrapped up inside of who Christ Jesus is. When we get an understanding of who he is, then we can reevaluate who we are. First and foremost, you're a new creature. We've talked about that several times before. If anyone is born again, if anyone is inside of Christ Jesus through that dying to to what this wants and rising to the occasion to serve the almighty God whose name is Jesus, when you are lifted up with the same miraculous resurrection power that rose Christ from the dead on that third day, the same power that Jesus used to give sight to the blind, to cure uncurable diseases, to make people who were handicapped be able to walk, who rose the dead, who did all sorts of things. It's that same power that now works inside of you that has turned you into a new creature. And we've discussed this, that because you're a new creature, because you're a new person, because you're a new you, you're not the old you, Because of this newness, you have a new set of rules to abide by. And the number one portion of that rule is to evaluate your love for the one who gave you all these amenities, the privileges that you're blessed with. And more so, are we doing it? Are we living this life? Are we overcoming things? Do we have enough love in our lives? Do you have enough love for the master to say, you know what, when I'm anxious, when I'm upset, I'm not even going to worry about hitting up the bar. I'm not going to go to the liquor store. I'm not going to call the weed man and ask him for an ounce. I'm not going to go sleep with somebody to try to make me feel better. I'm not going to waste countless hours of my life, of my life, doing things that are unnecessary and things that are detrimental to my health. I'm not going to keep abusing myself. Instead, I'm going to trust the love that God has shown me and reciprocate the love through trust. I'm going to let him do all that he needs to do in my life so that I can be better. I'm going to try him by his word, which he not only watches over it, but he keeps it as well by performing it. I'm going to try him by every word in that book called the Bible, which is a testimony of God's love to us, of a failure of a species, because we can't follow one rule. And we'll get to that. But it's all about his love for us and how we can give it back, really give it back through obedience. The number one thing. If we can do that, well, then guess what? We can keep growing. We can keep overcoming. We don't have to be wrapped up in a a polygamous relationship with this world anymore. Because once you start doing one bad thing, you start trying all sorts of things. And it's the truth. If you've been with us before, you've heard my testimony. I used to love porn because it was just it scratched my itch. But what's what's the problem with scratching your itches? It only makes the rash worse. So porn led to sex. Sex led to alcohol. Alcohol led to just being around the wrong people. It it sends you down a spiral. It, it makes you just not who you are. 
and it starts attaching all these different demonic spirits onto you. And then it gets harder for you to overcome because now instead of just your feet being dirty, your whole house is dirty and we'll move on. But the purpose of all of this is to really show us to check ourselves and see how much we really love God. So in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21, Jesus himself says, if you love me, and if is bold, as big as day, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth, meaning that if we really want truth in this world, the only way through it or to it is via the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive him. And why is that? Because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now, this scripture holds a lot of weight in terms of our love for God. Jesus starts off by saying, if, and we know what if means. It means that there are two pathways that open up here. If I really love the Lord, then I'm going to obey him. And God doesn't want much from you. He wants little to nothing. He wants you to one, repent if you haven't done it. And then two, he just wants you to serve him. How do you serve him? You spend time with him. How do you please anyone in your life? You spend time with them. You get to know them. You learn what makes them happy and you learn what makes them upset. You know what makes them sad. You know, you start to really figure out how they tick. What's going on up there? Well, in the same way, we spend time with God. We literally share his spirit with us. That's the reason why our prayers get answered. It's the reason why through it all we have favor. It's the reason why even though we don't deserve it, we have been made righteous in God's sight, not because of something we did, but because of Jesus's sacrifice on Calvary, because he's continually pleading with the pleading for the father, pleading with the father for us as our great high priest day and night. And it's all because we have accepted him and rejected ourselves. In doing so, by loving him, we're showing it through obedience to keeping his commandments. That's God's love. That's what love really looks like. It's, it's by the simple act of just being obedient. If you say you love someone, and then you show them through action, right? I love my grandmother. I love my grandfather. I love my aunts, my uncles. I love my parents. I love my my friends that are like family to me. Well, how do I prove it? I show them. I'm there for them. I think of them. I, I'm, I'm always trying to, to add some form of improvement to their day, even if it's just by laughter. I check up on them. I do all these things. Well, in the same way, how do I show my heavenly father that I love him? I obey his word. 
I do my due diligence by studying, by praying. And it's not just simply for him. It's because I need to do it. If you would get saved and never read the Bible a day in your life, you would still look like you were unsaved because you don't know what to do to please God. Now you're set for heaven, but you don't look like it. It's like joining a team. You went to tryout. You did wonderful. The coach loved you gave you a starting position, but you never show up to practice. And then come game day, you're confused as to why you're sitting on the bench. Well, you didn't do the work. You didn't do anything to show him that you wanted it. You didn't do anything to say, I want to keep improving. You didn't do anything to say that I know I can get better, that this isn't my plateau. This isn't where I level off. Instead, your life should be looking like a a upward slope continually rising and yeah sometimes we may feel like we're doing this like when you look at an economic growth chart and there are ups and downs and ups and downs but our life actually in terms of growth is just a continuous up part it may feel like we're going down but that just means that we're we're rising up a little slow and then there are other parts of our lives where we just have exponential growth But the key factor in growth and it all is your love and your relationship with God. Jesus continues to say that he gives us a new advocate that leads to all spirit and truth. We know the Holy Spirit. Anyone who's saved can tell you the one of the first times they felt the fire of God just in in campus their life where they felt so hot like they wanted to faint. But they didn't. Instead, they felt empowered. Though they felt woozy, they felt like they could conquer anything because the Lord, who is an all-consuming fire, doesn't burn those who he's in captivating. Just like the burning bush, it was on fire. But when Moses looked at it, he was like, wow, it's it's not burning up. Why is that? Because God's love, as hot and fiery as it is, does not harm those who it belongs to. If you're a child of God, you belong to God. And by doing so, his love will never hurt you. His love may correct you. And that may feel painful because we don't like change. But his love will never hurt you. And as Jesus goes on to say, he won't leave you as an orphan. He won't abandon you. But the important thing is about this truth, this love that we have. Jesus said to himself, the world can't have it because they're not looking for it. When we talked about circumstance, forgive me, not being equal to permanence, we discussed the simple fact that, and I used a quote from a TV show called Madam Secretary, and the the character said that we aren't looking for the truth. We just want something to believe in. Well, it's backed up by Jesus right here. The world doesn't want him because they aren't looking for him. And because they aren't looking for him, they They don't, they can't have it. Not to mention, they don't even recognize him. This world is literally set to get you. It's set to keep you trapped, to keep you encaptivated with the lies, to make you think that uh, the, the government and people in charge are actually there for you, to make you think that living your best life, and we know that's a lie. We've debunked it several times, that it's something that can actually help you, that uh, chasing the bag is beneficial to your life, but when do you stop chasing? When is enough enough? 
when it when are those late nights at someone's house you don't know enough when is your fifth bottle of alcohol enough when is the the ninth or tenth blunt enough when is when is it enough when do you stop so we go back to more than anything god is saying if you love me obey my commandments jesus asked peter three times peter do you love me more than them And then as he answered, yes, Jesus would tell him something. Hey, all right, well, take care of the sheep. Do you love me more than them? Yes, you know I do. All right, well, feed my sheep. Do you love me more than them? You know I do. You know everything. All right, well, I want you to teach them. Jesus is asking you today, do you love me more than your problems? Because we've talked about that before your problems, your itch, your situations, your issues, whatever the current stronghold you're battling may be, whatever the current problem or issue may be, if you sit in it too long and don't depend on God's love and his grace and you have patience to trust his timing, <laughs> that important thing, trusting God's timing, not when you want it, but when you need it most and God has a delivery date for that. But he's asking you, can you can you trust me enough to not idolize your struggle? Can you trust me enough to to give me what's really bothering you? Can you trust me enough to to just let me be God in your life? And we'll say yes. But your yes is backed up by the amount of love you have. I love God so much. I can't put it into words. And it's equated into the trust I have for him. Because in the midst of of so many things, I've moved adjacent to what this world would say. And any believer, any brother or sister can tell you the same in some way, shape, form or fashion. When and I'll give you a very personal example for myself. When I really got ready to, to leave porn alone, I was good for two weeks. I was fine. I didn't think about it. I didn't want to do anything. And then one day I I saw something on Twitter. And since then, I haven't had social media and it made me relapse. And then in the shower, in the midst of getting ready to to do the do, I just cried. And and I, I just put my head on the on the wall of the shower and let the water hit me. And I cried out to God, Lord, I don't want to keep doing this. Not just because I'm offending you, not just because I know this is wrong, not just because I know it's bad, but I'm tired of hurting myself and I'm tired of the pain that I feel from other things. I'm tired of just slapping a Band-Aid on it with this. Yeah, I feel good for a moment, but after that moment is passed and it's like this, once it's gone, I feel terrible again. So Lord, where the hole is about to open up, I don't want to keep trying to fill it myself. I want you to fill it. And what happened? When your heart has that change, as my late pastor, Bishop Richard L. Holman, used to say, you need to be sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Once you get there, once you're just disgusted with scraping the bottom of the barrel, And then realizing that you broke the barrel from scratching it so much that you fell through. And now instead of fingers, you have nubs of bone and flesh. Once you get there, the only way you have to go is up. 
if you belong to God. Why? Because he loves you. And though he can do any and everything, he works with you on your level. He will never force you. He's not a forceful God. He will never make you do a thing. He gives you an option. Even though we're told that we need to do and say and go wherever God tells us to go, do whatever he says to do and say whatever he says to say, we still have an option. I would advise you to to actually do it, to actually go, to actually say it because it's in your best interest. Why tick off God? But even then, even in the midst of our choices, even in the midst of our downfalls, it all goes back to how much we love God. Do I love him enough to trust him that he won't abandon me? That though physically I may feel lonely, but spiritually where it actually matters, I'm never alone. That though all my friends may have abandoned me, I know that I have the best friend whose name is Jesus, who proved it to me by dying for me, by setting me free from the bondage of slavery to sin, and most importantly, from myself. And not only that, but he's a father, a mother, a brother, a sister. He's everything I need, everything I could ever want. And when you want things, and yeah, I know there are people that are like, oh, you shouldn't ask God for money. No, you can ask him for anything you want. But is your heart right? James, the book of James talks about it. You don't have even when you ask because your motives are wrong. We've talked about it. We're talking about it now. What does your heart say? And currently, how much love is actually in there? You've experienced God's love by being born again. Welcome to the family. But now that you're in it, are you going to prove that you're really grateful by returning the love, by doing the works, by helping those out who need it? Like, you got to do the do. You got to walk the walk. You can't just talk a talk because Jesus isn't concerned about the talk. He's concerned about the walk. And to make it very simple, he already walked it out. All he says now is to follow me, to come to me. Let me show you the way. I'm not even going to make you try to do it on your own. I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. And when I lead you to all truth, just like I told you my Holy Spirit would, when I set you free, just like I said I would, when I build your life upon the rock of faith called me, Jesus, the Savior. When I do the greater works inside of you because of the Holy Spirit, when I'm there with you because I'm never apart from you, you'll look back and you'll be like, wow, Lord, you love me so much. And I thank you for giving me your love because now I can love. And we'll move on from here after this. It's because of God's love that you can love another. The Bible says it. God himself is love. So if you don't have God, you can't love. But that also means, according to our definition, filio, when we talk about the, the intimate relationship between friend, between kinsmen, it goes on further to talk about the intimate relationship that you have with self. Do you love yourself enough by loving God to trust him to get you out of the hole? Do you love God enough to allow his love to actually translate into self-love, self-value? I didn't think myself worth a dime. I had very low self-esteem. 
I there were times where I was very shy, not because I didn't think I could do something, but because I thought I didn't have any value, any skills, anything worthwhile. But as my relationship with the Lord continued to go forward and as his love started to fill me and I started returning it back to him. Well, then guess what? Low self-esteem out the window. Uh, No, no regard for myself out the window. No regard for others because of my own lack of self-worth out the window. When you start to really love God and let his love encampus and just encamp itself inside of you, well, then guess what? Your love for him, which is should be more than anything, our, our title for tonight, it starts to grow in ways that you never thought imaginable because that's what God is all about making the impossible things for us, humanity, possible through the almighty power of God. And so we look in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, and Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. And here Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Then in Matthew 22, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law And all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, if you've been with us for a while, you've heard me reference the law of one. When I reference the law of one, I'm referencing what Jesus says right here in Matthew 22. He's saying that because one of the the religious scholars, one of the Pharisees tried to trick him up, make him say something wrong so they could have a reason to persecute him. What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus straight up says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul. And then the second, but equal as unto the first. And I'm quoting King James here is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. In doing so, you fulfill the entirety of what the Old Testament is talking about. You fulfill the entirety of what all the prophets of old were saying when they not only told us to repent, but to, to work for the Lord, you fulfilled everything. Well, how do we fulfill it? We, we always use the word religion, but you'll never hear me say it when I reference our relationship with God, because it's not a religion that we have. We have a relationship. The relationship with the Lord leads unto everything else. But Jesus himself goes on to say that pure religion undefiled is to help the widow, to help the orphan. And then the Bible goes on to say, as I referenced earlier, that true love is God because God himself is love. So if a man doesn't have God, then he doesn't have love. Well, if you have God, you have love. And if you have love, then if you want to be technical, then you can truly be religious 
which is to help one another. And that help stems from love. And we can't truly love until we get to know God, meaning that you can't have self-love without Jesus. You can't improve without Jesus because remember his words. And I want to say John chapter 15 about the true vine. If not, then it's 13. But again, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just quoting loosely here. But he says that I am the true vine and my, my father is the gardener or the vine dresser or the husbandman. And that apart from him, we can't do anything. But if we're a part of him, if the branch is a part of the vine, then guess what happens? We can be pruned to produce more fruit. We can be watered and nurtured by staying connected to the source to keep producing. But if we don't produce, if we don't do our due diligence, if we don't get saved, well, then we're cut away from the branch. And then our names, which were pre-written in the Lamb's Book of Life, are now blotted out because we didn't accept the key on the table, which we discussed last week. We didn't accept the offer. So when we talk about more than anything, when we talk about how incredibly and, and it's incredible how much God loves us. Can we return the favor? Can I just spend time with God? If, if not five minutes, a couple of minutes in, in my day, he gave me 24 hours. And within those 24 hours, seven days. And out of those 52 weeks that make up a year, he gives us time to, to spend with him and to do as we please. But the Bible says a wise man, or any wise person numbers their steps and we number them unto the Lord by planning out how we will serve him. That's wisdom. So when I, when I asked the question again, and I had to ask myself this and my grandmother had to ask me when I was saying something snarky, it's that, do you love him enough to let that go? So I'm going to re I'm going to re-ask you the question. Do you love God enough to overcome? Do you love him enough to leave the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, whatever you're idolizing, even if it's self, a spouse, mama, daddy, brother, sister, I don't care who it is, your job, money. Do you love God enough to let it go? Do you love him enough that in the midst of a very racist climate to let the hate go and instead feel love in that spot of hate? Because it's only love that can conquer all things. It's only love that can cover a multitude of sins. It's only love that got us saved and able to spread the love that is the gospel. It's only love that will prevail. So do you love him enough to embrace the love inside externally? Do you love him enough to tell somebody that you claim you love about who Jesus is? Do you love him enough to stop beating yourself up? Do you love him enough to where you can become friends with yourself? Do you love him enough to forgive yourself? Do you love him enough, period? Because I'll tell you today, from personal testimony, we can never love God enough. But what we can do is rise to a higher plateau of love in him, be a trust and obedience. Heavenly Father, we come before you today saying thank you, Lord. We thank you so much that you continuously show us and tell us just how much you truly love us. 
through the actions that you've taken by sending Jesus, our risen King, to die on a cross for us, Lord, and the actions that you take by continuously blessing us, by giving us favor, that thing that doesn't make sense to the mortal mind, but simply because we belong to you, O sovereign Lord, we have justification, God. Because of your love inside of us, Lord, we are made righteous because of your love, God, that we are giving choice opportunities that some may never see, but simply because we belong to you and because we're your children and because all things belong to you, you just give it freely. So God, I ask right now that wherever our love for you stands, that you would triple it, God, that you would quadruple it, that as the Bible says, that you would multiply it 10, 30, 60, 100 fold, Lord, that you would just give us more of your love inside of us so that we could have more to give, God. That because we're mirrors that reflect your light, that you would continuously scrub it so that it would be even more clear, so that the light that we reflect would refract even more so in another person's life so that the more people see us, the less they see us and the more they see you, God, that the more they see you, God, the more inclined they'd be to give their lives to you because outside of you, there is no life. We know that if we cling to our lives, meaning that if we keep believing the lie and enjoying the sins, the disgusting worms and everything, all the rotten food that comes with that, Instead of just trusting you to sit at an actual table, take a shower and a bath and be wrapped up in new clothes and eat good, healthy food. God, if we would just accept you, then we'd be okay. If we would just accept you, then we'd grow. If we would just accept you, then we could live life. And Father, for those who don't know you the way the family knows you, the way the bride knows you, God, then I pray earnestly that they would get to know you, Father, because life before you was terrible, but life with you is so sweet. So, Father, it's our prayer tonight as a family, as, as, a, as a congregation of believers, as sons and daughters of God, that your word would just continue to go forth and that our love for you would continually multiply so that we could please you more, so that we can overcome more, so that we can be there for one another more, God, so that our lives in a whole, as a whole, would just be exponentially greater, God. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done, that you're doing, and that you're going to do in our lives. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey family, I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you, and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors, and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.